days And these are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trial Of famine and darkness and sword Till we are the voice in the desert Prepare ye the way of the Lord Behold he come Riding on a cloud Shining like the sun And the trumpet call Lift your voice Here at Jubilee And out of Zion's hill Salvation come And these are the days of Ezekiel Dry bones becoming as fair. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in the world. So we are the laborers in your vineyard preparing the way. Lord, hold me up, riding on a cloud, shining like the sun, and the trumpet call, lift your voice, in the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Hold me up, riding on the cloud, shining like the sun. Have something come with your voice. Here at Jubilee, and God is sing it one more time, church, behold, behold, he comes, riding on the cloud, shining like the sun, and trumpet call, lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee, and God is dying still, salvation a great start to a service, isn't it? Hey, thanks for being here. You may be seated. Today, we are greatly blessed and honored to have with us David Kosion. And in case you've never heard him, that's David. And uh, would you just welcome him to Mile Straight, please? He has come a long way. In fact, probably about uh, three-eighths of a circle around the earth to get here to us today and uh, we are so glad he's here our intent is to walk you through the scriptures through spoken word obviously through music and through the images you'll see on the screen 
and present to you the message of Jesus Christ this morning. We want to show you the Gospels in a very condensed format. The Gospel and the message and the story and the person of Jesus Christ today. So sit back, listen, and absorb.
As you think about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, and the ending, there's a lot of ways you can summarize it. A lot of ways you could narrow it down and say this is a topic for it. And, but the way we want to see it today is that the time had come. And if you look through the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find that the time had come for a lot of things to happen. For example, there had been 400 years where God had been silent. Israel had become so polluted and so so sinful and so wicked before God that God had had just shut off communications. He closed it down. No prophets were speaking for him in those days. But now the time had come for Jesus to be born. The song that David just played, Silent Night, is it's a little bit ironic, really. It's a little bit sad to think about. Because it was a silent night. Yes, there were angels who announced the birth of Jesus from the sky. There were shepherds who came to see. But this wasn't just a regular baby. This was God. I mean, this was the King of kings, the Lord of lords being born. And yet, there was no place for him in an inn. There were no crowds mobbing to find him and to see him. Sadly, it was a silent night. One would expect when the King of Kings is born for there to be a celebration, jubilation. There should be cheering crowds in the streets, and yet it was a silent night. It was as if he didn't really matter. As we move further into the story, we find that not only was it time for him to be born, this time in the Gospels, but there was also a time that came when it was time for Jesus to be revealed to mankind. When him, he was to reveal the purpose of God for his life, when he was to take the light into the darkness. Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 8 says, This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This is John the Baptist, the messenger. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sin and turned to God for forgiveness. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. John announced, Someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater, that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John was one of the very few who would proclaim that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. One of the very few who would stand boldly and proclaim that there was one coming that was far greater than he was. And this was the Messiah which they had looked. Because of his faithfulness to God, because of his stand for Jesus Christ, John was eventually thrown into prison. It was a very difficult time. 
But it was this that opened the pathway for Christ now to begin his public ministry. For the light of God to shine through him upon darkness. Matthew chapter 4 verses 12 through 17 says, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who live in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near.
now the time had come for the disciples to see Jesus as he truly was. God wanted the disciples to understand that Jesus was God. That Jesus is God. That Jesus came as the Son of God, God in human clothes. Luke chapter 8 verses 22 through 25 say, And one day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water. And they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly, the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. It's pretty incredible, really. That one would step out on the edge of the boat and simply speak to the wind and the waves and they would listen. Been many times when I was scuba diving in rough waters that I would say, okay, it's time to calm down now. They never once listened to me. The difference was, I'm not God, never will be, never could be. But the disciples were able to experience God among them. And yet, as we will see as we continue this story process, there was still doubt. They had witnessed the most remarkable event, and yet they still doubted.
Time had come for people to hear the message. Time was running short and the message needed to be heard. John chapter 7 verses 37 through 41. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living waters, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone who believed in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, Surely this man is a prophet we are expecting. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? Galilee was such a wicked place that the people did not think it possible for one considering himself to be a prophet, considering himself to be the Messiah, to come from such a place. And so, instead of accepting the message... Instead of heeding the warning, instead of accepting the invitation that Christ was extending, people refused to believe for the most part. Jesus, sensing the urgency of the moment, realizing that the time was short, that he would soon be placed on a cross, that the message must be accepted now, stood and shouted, Come to me! Come to me! Time is short! Come to me. Most of the people still remained unconcerned, 
and unmoved. What a sad, sad picture.
Luke 19, verses 41 and 42 say, But as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now, it is too late. Peace is hidden from your eyes. Jesus, seeing the lack of concern on the part of the people after the message had been proclaimed, began to cry. Tears began to flow from his eyes because he knew the time had come for them to repent, and yet they were still rejecting him. They had their opportunity. They had missed it. They had rejected the Savior.
John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And how did Jesus love his disciples? He told them in verse 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus was beginning the process now of telling them the future plan of God for his life. He was beginning to show them how he would face some very severe things at the hands of sinful men. Jesus was beginning to show them that even as he was sent for a particular purpose to shed the light, now he was also sent for the purpose to pay a very heavy price for them, the disciples. But how sad it was that even as his countrymen had rejected him, his disciples would do the same thing. For when God's plan would begin to unfold, the disciples would not stand with him. Jesus would be betrayed by one of his own disciples. The guards would take him captive and any right-thinking person would believe that the disciples who had been with him now for three and a half years, who he had poured his life into, who, who had heard him teach, who had seen his miracles, would believe that they would stand with him, that they would stand boldly with him. But in fact, the Bible tells us that when that moment came, after a brief stand, they turned and ran, leaving Jesus all alone. It begs the question then, I believe. I mean, why would he go through with this? I mean, why would he continue the process to the cross after being rejected by his own countrymen, being rejected even by his disciples? Why would he insist upon fulfilling the will of God? Well, certainly there's a lot of reasons that would come into play. But I want you to know that one of those reasons is us. There's a song that David will play next called Via Dolorosa. And it speaks to this. Allow me just to read a few of the lines to you. Down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day, the soldiers tried to clear the narrow street. But the crowd pressed in to see a man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding from a beating. There were stripes upon his back and he wore a crown upon his head. And he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. Down the Via Dolorosa, called the Way of Suffering, like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me down the Via Dolorosa, all the way to Calvary.
Jesus had suffered so fully. But now it was time for him to die. Luke 23, verses 44 through 55 say, By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with these words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. When all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross, from the cross and wrapped it in, long, in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. And his body was, as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. The death of Jesus was a very tragic, unexpected thing. Now, obviously not unexpected in the mind of God. This was his plan. Not unexpected in the, the mind of Christ. He knew the plan of God and would follow it with his heart. It wasn't even unexpected maybe to the religious leaders. All along, they knew they hated him and they wanted to see him dead. But to his disciples, his true followers, this was unexpected. Oh, sure, Jesus had laid his plan out for them. He had told them what to expect. He told them what was coming. And yet there was that doubt. They had their own thoughts. Jesus will not die, no. If he's God's son, he will come and by force he will take the kingdom. He will set up his own rule. He will establish a reign over the entire world. That's what they expected. But now to see him dead, see him placed in a tomb, they didn't see that one coming. For the disciples, the fear that they had experienced before when Jesus was arrested, it all of a sudden had drastically increased. The Bible says that they ran and hid. They went into an upper room and locked the doors and they kept quiet. They weren't about proclaiming Jesus anymore. They weren't about acknowledging that they were even one of his followers or much less even knew him they were scared what a drastic change takes place now in a short amount of time as we leave the gospels and we make our way into the book of Acts 
I mean, it's an incredible transformation that takes place because no longer do you see the disciples as cowering in an upper room afraid to even know, say that they know Jesus. But now all of a sudden you see them boldly proclaiming His name. You see them preaching and teaching. You see them suffering for Christ and counting it as a joyful experience. Why such a dramatic change? I mean, what could have possibly happened in such a short amount of time that would have caused them to go from cowering to boldness? The difference was that now they had personally experienced the resurrected Savior. They had seen Him. Yes, it was told to the women at the tomb. The angels came and proclaimed it. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. Early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, today uh, taking spices that they had prepared for his body. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he told you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but he will rise again the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. The disciples who had been so unwilling to believe had now experienced the resurrected Savior. The women had told them, He's alive, we've seen His angels. They didn't believe until they saw Him personally. I just think about the women at the tomb. I can imagine that the fear would have been overwhelming but the joy would have been more so. Oh Lord, what a morning. 